So I want to welcome you all this morning and thank you for joining us uh, for Sunday service at Christ City online. And um, uh, we have some things we want to just talk about. And, uh, and Jamin and I just felt like it would be best if we could do this together. And, and so, uh, and we actually have never taught together, which is, uh, this is a first for everything here. Yeah. So, yeah, so that'll be nice. But, um, so we're just going to kind of, um, bat it back and forth here. And, uh, but just, uh, we're, we're glad to be here and with you all. We're so glad that you guys joined us. So, yeah. Good morning. You want me to go ahead with announcements? Yeah. So, uh, good morning, everybody, and uh, great, great to be with you on a on a Sunday morning. I uh, just want to share a few announcements. So, you know, people are wondering for uh, different reasons about when we might start meeting back, and what we've been saying about that, about meeting back in person at uh, Central Christian, is just that we want to be behind the curve on this. There's there's people uh, kind of pushing um, to meet. At, at different churches and we just want to make sure we do what's the safest for everybody and so we just um, we're taking the posture and the perspective that this is uh, a marathon and not a sprint as far as COVID-19 and wanting to be able to be safe um, with our congregation and to do our part as a city and we know that's tough and we miss you guys we miss being in person mm -hmm. with one another and uh, as soon as we're able to do that in a safe way, we'll, we'll definitely do that. And we're always formulating and thinking about plans of what that, that might look like. Uh, so uh, that's one thing. Another thing is obviously the continued um, protests and changes that are happening in our country racially. We're incredibly excited about that. And I'm, I see your, your presence online. We see your presence online, some people that are out there continuing to protest and people that are lear learning more and educating themselves and we just say continue to do that work be as safe and careful as you can of course um, but uh, we endorse fully the work um, of of helping to make black lives matter and be equal in our country uh, the way that it should have been all along and actually, we just recorded a, a video project to be able to share with the church and to share with the public. That's going to be ready in a couple of weeks. Andrew Puccio is working on that with us, so we're really excited about that project as well. And um, I'd say one of the last things I'll say announcement-wise is we just had a partners meeting on Wednesday night, and we did it on Zoom. And um, it, it, it was really great to be able to connect in that way, although a little bit sad that, that, that we had to do it that way because partner meetings are usually a time where we can really connect with um, each other, people who are really bought into Christ City and really excited and have taken that step. And if you want to become a partner, you can. You can, you can email us at elders at christcitymemphis.org and begin to take those steps. They're not, they're not uh, really difficult, arduous steps. Uh, they're a little bit different because of uh, the COVID-19 uh, they'll happen in a little bit of a different way, but um, we want to be able to walk through that process with anybody who who would like to. So, um, any other announcements that you can think of, Robin, that we should no, share? No, I just I just want to I want to reinforce. I, I I know that that there's a, a reopening, you know, in this phase three, and 
and um, you might can uh, it might even feel like you go one way or other like hey we see places opening up and why aren't we and then others here are saying no I just don't feel safe yet to do that and just just so you all to know uh, we really want to to meet the the it's not the weakest minded it's the the people who feel really kind of the most unsafe and we don't want to put anyone in, in danger in that way and so we just want to encourage you all to keep joining us here keep finding ways to connect with us online throughout the week and then reach out to us if you really have needs and and, and you need someone to see you and be with you um, to let us know as elders uh, and then you can always join a group uh, there are Christ City groups uh, story groups that are still meeting and, and going strong uh, although some may be taking a break of the summer but yeah. Um, but just to reach out to us and let us know. And, um, but yeah, we, we feel like that's the right decision and, and we'll reevaluate it when we get to the, the middle of July and, and come back to you all with what that looks like moving forward. So yeah. that's really it. It's a continuous topic on the, on the elders plate every time we meet and in between mm -hmm. meetings we're talking about it and, mm -hmm. and reassessing it as I, know, as I know most churches are, are yeah. doing that Absolutely. as well. And, and, and with that, um, you know, again, if you have needs, whether they be financial or emotional, please, you know, yep. reach out to us. Let us know. And let us know. And and um, if you're not, we really appreciate those of you who are still uh, able to give, who are employed and, and keep us going and being able to um, bring this ministry uh, to you guys, even though it's remote. Yep. So. Yep, absolutely. Um, so I want us to get going here with the, the rest of our time this morning, and we always start now with the Apostles' Creed. Uh, and so this is something that Christians and, and churches around the world for the last uh, 1,500 years, 1,700 years, have been reciting together in, in unity. And so uh, it's on the comments here if you want to read it there, but I'm, I'm going to read it here, and I'm going to start with the question. Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Uh, the scripture reading this morning that um, we're going to look at is in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, and then we'll go through uh, to verse 7 in chapter 10. So it's, it's Matthew chapter 9 starting at verse 35 hear the word of the Lord Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness when he saw the crowds he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd then he said to his disciples the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few ask the Lord of the harvest therefore to send out workers into his harvest field. Verse 1 of chapter 10. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. 
These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And so we're, obviously this is not a, a traditional uh, set up here, and we're not going to do a, a traditional sermon, but I do want to offer a few comments and Robin chime in too, if anything, before um, we get to a, a, a bigger announcement. So this, we're just going to have the context of, of what the normal lectionary reading is uh, to help us as well talk about and digest some other things that, that we're going to get to. And so um, one of the amazing things about this passage that uh, was just standing out to me even even again as Robin was reading it is Jesus sees the crowds and he recognizes that they don't they don't have a shepherd and if anyone was to be able to say well I'm gonna step in and I will be the sole shepherd and authority it's Jesus and yet immediately he commissions his his disciples who he's been working with and teaching and training to be shepherds to the people and to offer them the things that Jesus has offered to the disciples and he sends them out and he sends them out with those last lines that uh, Robin just read about uh, freely you have received freely give and um, that that sentence is, is so important uh, as we consider the way that we do church and the way that we think about discipleship often there is that first part of we want people to freely receive from a leader but there it sort of just stops there like hey I'm the leader and I get it and um, you can get what you need from me and really the buck stops there with me I'm, I'm, I'm the guy or I'm the woman and um, I've got what you need and so if anybody else needs it you bring them to me but what we see Jesus doing here is commissioning and empowering people to do the things that he has been doing so that that can multiply and spread. And it's, it's, it's more than just practicality. It, it, it's, it's, it's like that must be the way it's designed to work, hmm. right? If, if Jesus, the one who had all power and authority, um, as it says in, in, later in John before he washes the disciples' feet, says all power and authority is given to him. If he himself will give that away and give that responsibility away, that's something for us to pay very close attention to as well and mm -hmm. to see how, how does that look in our lives, in the life of the church, as we think about discipleship. Yeah, we were, we were joking before and talking about how much easier seemingly it would have been if God just would have stayed on earth. Yeah. <laughs> like... Maybe he gets halfway into his ascension and acts and it's like, nope, this is a bad decision. I'm coming back down and I'm gonna make sure that you guys don't screw this up. Yeah. And so the one who has all power, though, is humble enough to even realize that it's best if it's passed on, 
even if there's flaws in it, even, even if people miss things along the way, so that we can continue that process. Because truly, Jim, uh, one of our elders of the night in our partners meeting was talking about how everyone's an itinerant preacher, leader, speaker, mm -hmm. that no one holds it all. Everyone is in process and passing things on. And so that means even us as a church at Christ City, we don't hold it all, but we pass it on. And so freely we have received and freely we give and to be generous with that um, and, uh, and passing it on down the line. That's a beautiful thing, yeah. Yeah, the last thing, the last thing I wanna say that I was, I was thinking of as you were saying that is, I don't know that you can re freely receive if you're not also planning on freely giving. Hmm. So I think if, if you're not planning on freely giving away, it's really hard to freely receive or to be the one who's giving to somebody else who can freely receive and freely give. It's almost like you, you want to hold things back if you feel like there's something um, special or unique that cannot be reproduced in the same meaningful way mm -hmm. uh, with other people. So I think uh, both of those things go together really well, uh, make a lot of sense. That's good. Let's just keep doing this and we'll skip the next part. <laughs> <laughs> we should have done this before now. I know. This is a lot I of fun. Know. It is fun. Um, so uh, that being said, uh, it actually kind of hopefully even kind of sets the, the ground a little bit. Or oh, Some news that, that, that I want to share with you all and that as, as the elders talked about it, we want to share and we decided this was the, the right platform to do it. Um, we've spent time uh, telling uh, those in our church who are leaders and, and in our groups, and uh, but then also realize there's even a, probably a, a wider audience that um, will will need to hear this as well. So, I'll give the information uh, kind of packaged shortly and concisely, but then I want to take a little time and unpack what I'm sharing. So, uh, the short is of it is this: at the end of July, I am stepping down as directional pastor at Christ City Church. And um, I, I am, I'm not taking another position of the church. Uh, I don't want to pastor anywhere else. I'm not in trouble with the elders. Um, I like them and they like me. I haven't done anything wrong. Uh, if anything, I'm, I'm probably at a, a better emotional and mental uh, space of health in my life than ever, and even relationally with the church and the elders than ever before. Uh, this is a decision I, I came to uh, months ago, uh, at the end of last year, after spending several months and even years processing what that kind of decision would look like, and then brought it to the elders beginning of, of January, and then we started the process of just discussing how to how to talk about this and when to talk about it, and um, and so, but I because I, I want to touch on that more, but I I am essentially retiring from pastoring uh, at the at the old age of, of 40 years old. Um, and uh, it's uh, it's very different. Uh, I don't I don't really have a roadmap for this one, where this is like the common trend to do at this time in life. Um, but it's something, and it's a decision that I feel really sad about, but also really at peace about. Um, and so I'm going to be uh, uh, stepping really into this kind of whole new sphere. It's going to include a few things. One. As far as work goes, I, there's an organization called Tin Man um, that uh, a lot of you are familiar with that I've, I've been working with for the last several years. It was a side hustle that started turning into a full hustle and I'm finding a lot of those things happen in my life, whether 
trying to help other people get recovery of life or even selling shoes. And so this was something that uh, just started opening up more and more. And so I'm, I'm going to be afforded the chance to, to do that more um, and, and basically work less hours and make the money that, that's needed um, for my part in the family. And so I'm, I'm really grateful for that. Um, uh, I'm not stepping anywhere else to go lead, neither do I want to. Um, this truly is about me uh, shifting down, not shifting up. Uh, and so, but to be able to do that is a blessing. Uh, Suzanne is going to be stepping into some uh, career pursuits that she's wanted to for a long time, and she's really excited about that, and I am as well for her. Uh, and in, in many ways, we're switching roles as parents to where I'll be doing more of the primary parent care, so uh, daddy daycare with Robin. And, um, uh, and yeah, so I, that's what I'm doing starting at the end of July, beginning of August. At the same time, starting in July, Jamin will be stepping into the role as interim directional pastor. Um, and this was unanimously decided by the elders uh, in, in January. And, and even though we all felt like it just made the most sense for Jamin to be the directional pastor moving forward to the church, we also knew that just handing a position off in a back room uh, wasn't uh, wise, ethical, or above board. And that we, we can vote the confidence in him, but ultimately it'll come down to the voting of the partners and, um, and those who call Christ City their home. So we're gonna do a pastor, the church will do a pastoral search uh, starting sometime in the not too distant future. Um, but, but for now, it's going to be Jamin's interim directional pastor uh, starting on ramping in July and then um, officially moving forward in, in August, August 1st. And so that's the news quickly. But what I'd like to do is take a little time to explain how I even got to this decision. Because um, I think one of the things that's, one of the things that's allowed our church to have more of a voice, no matter through all the things we've been through, is that we, we really do seek to be not just transparent but vulnerable in, in what's going on. And, um, and to keep things above board as, as much as we can. And, um, and so I just kind of want to give some of the story of, of where, where I've come from and, and how, I, how I got to this place. And for me, a lot of it starts about a year after I got to, to Christ City. So this summer will mark six years being at Christ City, a pastor at Christ City. And uh, in the sun, so I came here in the summer of 2014, Suzanne and I and Charlotte. And that next summer, I, I ended up in treatment. And I tell people that I didn't go to treatment because life was working. I went to treatment because life wasn't working. And I wanted life to work again. And I remember when I got out of treatment, when I came back, um, I, was, I was just thinking, man, like there's a lot of decisions about my life that I need to be making like for change. And that no stone can be left unturned moving forward and that whatever it takes, I got to do it. And so through um, the help of, of mentors and those who are walking alongside of me, I started that process. And I knew it couldn't just be anything too big. Um, and so I just started more with the relationships that I knew needed to change and personal habits in my life. And, but also I knew that somewhere down the line that I'd really have to address even my career, my calling, uh, being a pastor, uh, because I also knew that somehow, some way, that played into uh, where I ended up in life that summer. 
And so as for the next year, started that hard process and there were some very, very hard conversations along the way. Um, and one of the realities I came to as well, Suzanne and I did, was we saw things within even our church uh, with um, at the time that we were like, we don't even know if we could stay here. And, and we also knew that we couldn't force anything to have to change here. And so the mindset for us was going, you know, by the end of of 2016, we're just gonna look at probably making a move and maybe that's the right time for me to, to step out of pastoring. And then at the beginning of 2017, so many things for this church changed. Uh, the, the person who was pastoring and leading the church at this time, even the founder of this church, um, blew up his life and blew up and harmed a lot of people um, around him. And um, this church in many ways, this isn't an exaggeration, was the feeling was it's almost like was left for dead. And uh, the, the, the visual analogy I've used many times before, it was like waking up to a house on fire. And that everything's just, you're just trying to save people and, 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 and get people to safety. And, um, and I remember uh, in, in around that time, so it was February 2017, and then going into March, I remember talking to Suzanne and, and her looking at me saying, this is, this is why God has us here. And if there's ever been a line to my life that's true, and it's this, that when times are hard, I'll just, I double down. That's what I do, I double down. And, um, and I, there's, there's something both alluring and attractive, but also necessary and within a justice mindset for me to, to do that when times are hard. And so stepped into the role as directional pastor uh, at that time. And we as a church, along with the elders, Jamin was coming on as an elder at that time, started the hard process of going, hey, what happened here? Because um, churches don't find themselves in that situation because they're healthy, much like what happened to me in 2015. And so that means that you have to, we had to start really looking at everything and asking, is this healthy? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if this is preferred, but is this healthy? And of course, there was a wave of people who, who left when all that happened and, uh, at that time. But then as we started making some incremental changes, changes that we thought were important and necessary, uh, we found that, um, that they weren't popular decisions. Uh, there were more people who would leave along the way. And, and that, was, that was fine that people wanted to leave. People have that, that choice. And there was a lot of people that stayed and, and that bought in. Uh, we started looking and making changes around um, having a really clear vision and mission. Um, that we want to be a place to belong and a place to know God, that our mission would become becoming followers of Jesus who recover their lives, reimagine their purpose, and refresh the world. Uh, we started putting the emphasis more on our practices and not necessarily our beliefs. Because so many times we can hide behind beliefs but never had the practice to, to back that up. So we, we then put into place, we, we did away with our, our 50 pages of documents of, of doctrines and replaced that with eight simple practices that we believed really important uh, that if, if we wanted to express Christ to one another and anyone watching outside of this church. Um, so we, we switched up how we did um, uh, being a part of this church in a more intimate way. A lot of people would call that membership. We reframed it to partnership and and with that, there were decisions of people leaving. And then, um, uh, so there have been different decisions along the way, even moving to egalitarianism from complementarianism, where only men led, and now women and men lead together in making decisions. We felt that one of the 
the big cosmic oversights on our end was that um, with everything that happened at the beginning of 2017, uh, not having women at play in place to have authority and a say-so to help see things that men can't see and can have a blind eye to so many times. So all those things were happening. And yet throughout the, the time, I would find that whenever people would leave and comments uh, would be given, maybe, maybe directed towards me, a lot of times that would be the case, I found that it was harder and harder to not let those things go. And I would go home and take it home with me, and then I would think, you know, this is just what it means to lead and make hard decisions. So I'm going to double down and move forward. Uh, and so we got to the summer of 2018, and we were looking at becoming uh, a part of a denomination called the Anglican Church of North America, ACNA. And we were excited about it. And, and scouting it out, uh, Jamin and, and Drew and myself were making trips and, and, and interacting and networking with people of that denomination. And then we, as I started the ordination process, was rejected uh, for ordination because of uh, theological views that didn't line up with the denomination. And of course, that was a blow. Um, and us as elders, once again, had to decide, well, what do we do here? Because it almost felt like Sophie's choice. If we choose this, this dies. Well, if we choose that, we don't have Robin. And ultimately, the elders, along with the Women's Council at the time, who were in process of becoming elders, decided uh, as a consensus to say, hey, let's just move forward with what we're doing and Robin to be in this role. And, um, and then I remember just doubling down throughout that whole time, but at the same time, not able to deal fully with all the things happening in me. The loss of a deep friendship, the loss of other relationships and friendships along the way. And when I got to spring of last year, so March of last year, uh, we were doing a sermon series during Lent on the eight practices. And our, our second practice is uh, seeking health, to seek health. And whether I did it consciously or unconsciously, I had scheduled an appointment with my therapist the day after I preached that sermon. And I think I wanted to be able to go in and let him know how well I did and how I preached that sermon out of a place of true vulnerability. And when I started sharing all those things with him that Monday after I preached, he spent the rest of the session letting me know how unhealthy I was. How, yeah, there's aren't, there aren't external things in your life that are necessarily unhealthy. There's a lot of internal um, resentment and and uh, apathy and um, self-pity and rage. And so I didn't like that, and I told him that. I said, I think you're wrong. So I scheduled another appointment that same week where I brought Suzanne with me because I thought she'd prove him wrong. And then she spent the whole session letting him know, yeah, you're right, Robins really need to deal with these things in these areas. And, uh, and once I got over the, the hurt around that and the anger around that, I realized that Two people that know me probably better than anyone else, they do know me better than anyone else, saw things I couldn't see and I needed to pay attention to it. And so I started making decisions starting in the spring of last year to really investigate the, the ideas that I had when I came back from treatment the summer of 2015. So almost three years later, I finally felt ready to start investigating, uh, really four years later, those things that I knew at some point in time had to be looked at. And so last summer, summer 2019, uh, I went away for a week to uh, another place, the treatment center, but this time it was a little bit different. I, I didn't go there because my life was, was blowing up. I went there because I wanted more health. And a lot of times there's a misconception when people do treatment that you have to go only when your life is 
it's blown up. But you can you can do things like that even if you just want to get more health and you want more space to work through things. And so I went there because they had this this intentional special week where a few times a year they would bring in professionals, people in the helping field that are psychologists or therapists, sometimes pastors even, and and come in and they could do some intensive work for that week. And by the end of that week, I I really had gotten in touch with some things that I felt were were going to places in my my limbic I know now that were going to places in in my in my story from where I came from that I couldn't just get to uh, doing maybe a weekly session or things here and there and when I came out of it it was very clear to me what I had to do and I had a lot of I had a lot of gladness because I I thought okay this is clear to me what's happening in my life but then I had a lot of sadness and what was clear to me was that you know you may or may not know this especially if you're just kind of listening to us as as of late but um, you know I started preaching in church when I was 14 to adults not to a youth group to adults and um, right wrong or indifferent that's a bit abnormal (laughs) to say the least and I found that even at this young age, there was like this identity cemented for me immediately, and that had that was airtight. There was no room for anything else. And as I look back over that, I mean, for 26 years, I've been of a singular mindset that I am going to be a pastor. I'm going to lead in a church. I'm going to shape people through what I have to say from Sunday to Sunday, um, and and that's what I was committed to from that age moving forward. And I look back at that and I go, you know, there's a term that they use in the, in the, help, in the helping field, in the therapeutic world. It's called uh, identity foreclosure. It's when you can almost shut down an identity too quickly at too young of an age. And there's all these things you foreclose on, these things about you that you don't ever learn or get to know. And so I found myself at 40 going, man, there's, there's more to me. Not there's more great things I need to go do. There's just more to me I want to know that it's hard for me to know as long as I keep this identity in place of only being a pastor. The other thing I realized was there was this almost toxic relationship that really had nothing to do with people that are watching here. It really had more to do with me and the Big C Church. And that is um, that I was addicted to wanting the church to love me and like me. And so I would do whatever I had to do for that to happen. I would give of myself to whatever extent sacrifice family, sacrifice my personal health. And as I, as I started really investigating that, I realized, man, that's a really sick way to live life. If anything, the way I'd compare it, it was like a, a Wally, Coyote, and Roadrunner relationship. If you ever grew up watching that, you know that Wally is always chasing the Roadrunner, and every time he gets close, he gets an anvil. <laughs> and that's what I felt like was happening so many times throughout my, my pastoring. So I saw those things, and I realized, man, here's what I'm dealing with. And I had so much gladness around the clarity, but then I also had immediate sadness because I realized something. That if I was really to deal with those things, that probably meant I had to lay down being a pastor. And it started really setting in last summer. Because I thought, man, I don't want to do that. I I don't want to walk away from this. I love this. And I knew that I didn't want to be reactive. There had been moments before with Jamin and, and Drew when he was here pastoring. Where I'd get so sick and tired, I'd say, like, you know what, you just, you take it on. You be directional pastor, I'm done. And I, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to cry wolf, and I didn't want to be an alarmist. 
I really wanted to do the work around this. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to double down on my personal health and work. And in a few months, if this is something that's still very clear to me, then I'll start talking about it out loud because I'll know it's true. So I got to September of last year and I started seeing that I was very tired and that it, if I were to really make a, a good decision around this, I was going to have to get some space, just a little bit of time away. And, and honestly, it worked out well because Maxine, our, our, our baby, was, uh, was due in late October. And so I brought it to the elders, and they all agreed that it would be good to be able to get away. We had an elders retreat in September, and I, I said to them, as we were working on budget, that I need you all to imagine a scenario without me, um, a scenario where I'm not a part of Christ City and, um, and where I'm not pastoring. And, you know, the, it started sitting in with us all there that this time away could mean that I'm not going to come back for the long term. And I, and I told the elders, I said, I'm going to come back, but I'm just not promising for how long because I don't know. Um, but I will come back. Um, and so I remember going away on, um, on, uh, on, uh, on my leave. And uh, there were a few things that were, I, I was taking in and listening. I was continuing to do my own work. Um, I, uh, but I remember about two or three weeks into my time away, I woke up one day and I felt different. And it was a feeling I wasn't used to. And I was like, what is this feeling? And as I started really thinking about it, I realized, oh, I don't feel stressed. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't feel weighed down. I, I don't feel like I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to, like, just go lay out on my bed for the next few hours because I'm so exhausted. And, and it started hitting me just the sadness around that. Because when that, when that came to me, I realized this is real. Like, this is real. And... Um, I started thinking about this verse from Micah chapter, chapter 4, and I'll, I'll read it to you here. This is a, a passage where um, the Lord is speaking about a, a, a day when all things will be made right at some point. But it says in Micah 4.4, 4, everyone will sit under their own vine and under their own fig tree, and no one will make them afraid. For the Lord Almighty has spoken. And I remember, th I remember thinking about that passage, that verse, and everything in me just said yes to that. And, and I was immediately conflicted because, um, you know, I started thinking about so many of you all and the faces here, and I was like, I, I like these people. <laughs> like, anyone who's left that didn't want to be a part of this are gone. The ones that want to be here, they're here. They're committed. Why would I want to leave now? It's crazy. I started thinking, like I'm 40. Like The idea is that you spend your 20s trying to figure out what you want to do. You start doing it in your 30s so that when you get to your 40s and 50s, you can be good at something. And I'm like, I'm finally good at something. Like I'm, I'm unconsciously competent at this stuff. It doesn't mean I'm the best at it, but I'm, I'm good enough at it. And I was like, this isn't the time to walk away and you're finally good at something. You, 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 you shift up. You don't shift down. And then I was thinking about this uh, this other scenario, like, you know, if somebody came to me and said, I have a job, if you're interested, and here, here it is, a church of about 150 people, average age 30 or less, so young, a lot of young kids, um, 
uh, a healthy budget, a great part of the city, and a beautiful old church. Are you interested? And then I would say, yes, I'm very interested. It sounds like a great job. And I remember thinking through all those things and then having in me something very natural that said, but it's no longer for me. And when that became clear inside of me without having to, to make it real, that's when I brought it to the elders and said, hey, um, this is the decision I've made. And, uh, and it was hard because Drew, a uh, pastor here at this time, was also leaving. And I thought, man, I don't want to be a bad pastor and leave people again. Like the church lose two pastors in the same year. What a horrible person. And then I thought that'd be very codependent if I did that. And so brought it to the elders and said, hey, there's three reasons why I'm stepping away and three reasons only. There's nothing between the lines on these things. The first one is everything I've explained to you. Me seeing myself and what does it mean for me to have more health and if that meant laying something down, then that means I need to lay that down because I want to recover more of my life. Um, the second reason was for, for me and Suzanne, my career has always been in the driver's seat. And we realized that if we really want to practice being an egalitarian family, that means that she gets to drive as well. And that she has some, some dreams for her career that she's wanted, that she's put on hold. And that she's finally get the chance to step into. So that's what we're going to do. She's going to step into those things now. And the third reason was um, I, I, I have two little girls at home that I love, Charlotte and Maxine. And, um, you know, we had kids later in life. And so uh, I have 10 really good years of them both being in the house before Charlotte's 16 and interested to kind of move on and do other things more and more. And so I'm like, I don't want to look back in 10 years and go, did I give others more than what I gave them? And so those, those are the three reasons and, uh, that I gave to the elders and the three reasons I give to everyone listening now. And the elders were very understanding, very sad, and, um, but supportive. And together decided a timeline of when that would work and look, decided that at the uh, middle end of July or so would be a good time for me to roll off. Um, started talking through what it would look like to start telling people um, and we landed on middle of March that we'd start telling leaders and staff and others in our church and then by the end of April we'd be able to tell the whole church so that we could then walk through that process of grieving but also having gladness together uh, to into July and then a pandemic happened and that changed so many things and um, and so uh, we then picked it, the conversation up after Easter and just realized it still made sense that as hard as it would be to do this over a screen and to not be able to, you know, see each other and be with each other because, you know, 80% of what we communicate is nonverbal. There's so many things that we just can't get across on a screen and there's so many hugs I want to give and so many tears I want to cry with you and I know vice versa and so many laughs I want to have. And yet, as we looked at it, realized it was still the wise decision and, and really two of the main factors was, you know, Jamin said yes to be an interim directional pastor in, in January, which meant, you know, with his job that he does with the Kennedy Center and travels all over the U.S. doing art integrative work, he has to make these contracts out months in advance. And so we we're like, that doesn't make sense to put him in a situation and him and his family where, like, starting in July when his schedule's clear and he can't get more contracts, they're in a financial bind. And then as we thought about the, 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 the budget, like, we're doing fine now, but there's a good chance we'll hit a 20, 30% dip by the end of this year. And so it just felt like it made sense to still move forward with it. 
And so for the last few weeks, we've been, I've been mainly with Jamin, and sometimes other elders are joined, telling people in smaller groups along the way. Um, we told our partners last Wednesday and realized they wanted to tell you all today. Um, and uh, so uh, that's the news. And um, later this week, probably in the next day or so, I'm going to put out a, a letter on the website, and the elders will as well, just to, to, to affirm all this information so you all can go back and look at it if, if, if you want. Um, so I'm going to stop there, and there's more that I might want to say later, but I'm just going to stop there. And, and, and before I get to Jamin, I want to say this. I couldn't be where I am making this decision if it wasn't for you, Jamin. Um, because no one has walked with me more closely and been a dearer friend during this time than you. And you really upheld me, man. I'm holding back the tears right now. You really upheld me so many times. And so I'm grateful for that. But also, and I say this to you all, Jamin's not only an incredible person, Jamin's an incredible leader. And an incredible teacher and um, I feel so lucky um, I feel we are this is Providence serendipitous whatever word you want to use wherever you land on things theologically that Jamin's here for such a time as this and so do the elders and so I can make this decision because of Jamin and I can make this decision because of the elders because we have an incredible elder board of Rachel and Stacy and Jim and Jenny who are amazing and strong and capable and powerful in who they are. And so I get to make this decision for myself because this church has people like that. So I'll stop there and let you yeah. talk. Thanks, Robin. I know this is uh, it's tough. It, uh, the first thing you know I want to say is it's just tough to have to do this on Facebook and on a screen. And I want to say we're, we're working out a socially distanced approved plan to honor Robin and Suzanne at the end of July. And so if we don't have your email address and you want to be a part of that, please put your email address in the, in the comments so that we can invite you into that process because we want everybody to get a chance to say in person uh, at the appropriate distance uh, what Robin and, and Suzanne have, have meant to them in their lives. And that's, that's really important to be able to do that, not just over, over a screen. And so um, uh, just to add to some of the things that, that Robin shared, the first thing is I can affirm his story that for the, for the last five years, that the, the journey that he's been on, and, and like he said, you know, I, I've been there. I've, I've been uh, behind the scenes and on porches and on phone calls and, um, and, and, and watching him honestly wrestle through all of these very, very important life issues. And so that's the, that's the first thing I want to say is, you know, so often uh, when, a, when a pastor uh, is leaving a church, there's, it, it, he's not leaving willingly or she's not necessarily leaving willingly. They're leaving uh, because they've been pushed out or, or they've done something wrong and, and that's just not the case here. And um, so in, in addition to that, you know, I, I, this church that so many of us, we don't just like it, we, we really love it, those of us that are here. And 
we wouldn't we wouldn't have that opportunity. It wouldn't look like it does if Robin hadn't been here when um, when the church was imploding. And so his his leadership and the the work he had done himself and the things he had faced in himself made it possible for him to lead us through a very, very difficult transition that many churches of our size and structure would, would not have survived. And so I'm incredibly thankful for that. And with that, you know, the reshaping of the church, the structure of it, and, and part of that is the vision and mission that, that Robin articulated earlier. And you know, this mission that we have as we're becoming followers of Jesus to recover our lives and reimagine our purpose and refresh our world, uh, so much of that was, was Robin's direction, bringing that to us as, as elders and, and us uh, even uh, working with some of our, our leaders around those things before that ever came fully into fruition. But, but one thing about a, a mission statement in a church is I don't think you really get to say as a church that you fully own a mission statement if the leaders in the church don't have the permission, whether it's internally or externally, to move through that mission themselves. And our mission takes a lot of vulnerability. So to be willing to find how it is that you recover your life, uh, as Jesus talks about in, in Matthew 11, uh, it takes a, a laying down a lot of defensiveness, finding a lot of vulnerability to let the Spirit of God work in you through other people, through recovery type work. And Robin has been doing that hard work in leading our church, uh, not just with, with words on a stage, but through his personal life. And that's led him to a place where he's gotten enough recovery of life where he's like, I have enough courage and strength and internal alignment within myself and my spirit to see what it might mean to reimagine my purpose. And that, I'm gonna tell you, for somebody who's seen behind the scenes in churches for you know, 16 years, my, my whole adult life, um, that is an amazing thing and a courageous thing and something that's not easy to do uh, as a 40-year-old who's really good at preaching and leading to say, you know, I need to figure out what what is the rest of my life look like if I don't assume all the things that I've assumed since I was 14 years old. And that's really um, courageous and it takes a whole lot of faith to do that. Faith in God, faith in himself even, faith in his family, and faith in all of us. And so uh, I'm I'm honored to have a friend and a leader who can do that. Um, and uh, within that, <laughs> we've done this so many times, and uh, I didn't think I'd make it through this one without crying, though. Uh, within that, um, Part of Robin's leadership as he's done that work is so much of the lectionary passage we, we read earlier. It was, just, it was just the passage for this Sunday in the lectionary calendar. But that's been so true of, of Robin's leadership is as he's gotten more of himself, as he's found himself able to more freely receive, he has more and more been able to freely give. 
And so he's allowed space for other leaders to grow and to do things and to do them imperfectly and to help uh, along with the other elders. He, he guided us along with the other elders helping to restructure our church in one that we do have an elder board that has power and authority and which each member of that elder board are people with sharp minds and big hearts deep spirituality and deep, deep care and concern for our little church and our little uh, little spot in, in Memphis, Tennessee. And so um, because of that leadership, that generosity, I've been able to grow. Drew was able to grow and move into other things. And so when he leaves, he's leaving a legacy of, of that type of leadership where things can um, move forward and we're, we're moving forward with all the things that Robin gave away. And um, that's special. And uh, you guys need to know about that and other people need to know about that. I think I heard Robin say um, in, in, in one of the I think it might have been the partners meeting. No, it was it was with a meeting with a, men, a, a mentor of ours that we had recently. He said, I didn't know church could get, it, it could get to be this way. I didn't know church could happen this way. And, um, and, and so that's, a, this is a, this is a story that, that needs to be told and honored. And so um, for me, thinking about moving forward as the interim directional pastor, I, I can't fill Robin's shoes. And I don't feel like I have to because of what he has uh, created and left. And he has way cooler shoes than me anyway. So um, I, 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 have, uh, I have to uh, find my own, own pair of shoes, but I'm thankful that I feel like that's that's something we can do here, and um, so along with that, and the elder board of 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 strong and compassionate men and women, uh, we can we can move forward at Christ City, uh, and and uh, Robin's leadership comes with us as we do that. So, thank you, Jamin. I, I'll, I'll end it on just a couple of things that I want you to know. One, I'm not going anywhere till the end of July. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually, Jamin is going to get some much-deserved time off for the next couple of weeks. And um, sorry, Becky, that we've taken as much of his time. Uh, but he's going to get a lot of deserved time off. And um, we'll come back in July because that's when he'll start the on-ramp to be a directional pastor. And so I'll, for the next couple of weeks, I'll be teaching. And, and I'll teach some more in July. Um, and so... Um, you're, get ready to hear my greatest hits. Like, <laughs> I don't care what the lectionary says. I'm just going to say this is this is it. This is what I want to say. And one more thing. <laughs> one more thing. And um, uh, and and even after that, at the end of July, Suzanne and I aren't going anywhere. We may sell our house at some point so we can make money, but we're here in Memphis. Her her job she's taking on is here in Memphis. If you want time with me, if you still want to talk, I'm available. We're available. Um, I just won't be wearing that pastor hat. And it uh, doesn't mean I won't be pastoral, but if you come to me and say, I got some problems, I'm going to just listen and go, and that sounds hard, go talk to Jamin or one of the elders. That's what I'll say. 
but I I'm I just want you all to know I'm not walking away from you all. I'm I'm walking away from this persona, and that I'm 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 here. Um, but at the same time, I'm taking a rest from church, big C church, little C church, any kind of church, that for the, at least the the following nine months or so, we're going to explore what we've heard about this thing called a two-day weekend. We've heard they're great, and we've heard that when you get them on a regular basis, it does wonders to your psyche, so uh, and your emotional state of being. So that's what we're going to do. And then when that time is up and we feel at peace and it's we're ready to enter back into church, um, Christ should be at the top of the list. Uh, maybe we'll be meeting a person by then, and then we'll finally get to come in late and leave early. Like, I don't know how it'll look and work, but we're like... Just so you know, we love this church and are behind it. And there's nothing about it that I want to get away from. There's just more I want to step into. And I really believe, I truly believe this, that what Jamin and the elders, what they have to work with, with you all and their ability, that what's next to this church has not been seen by this church. And um, I'm not going to compare it to the churches because I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in this church. And that the things ahead of this church truly, I think, get to make as much of a difference as we've made the last few years. And so I have a lot of hope around that and excitement around that and confidence in that. And I've loved pastoring you all. I really have. It's been hard for some of you, but I love you all. <laughs> and um, I'm glad that I've gotten to do this. And I'm glad that I get to do what's coming up. And so... Um, uh, the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. And I will be here for the next few weeks. But thank you all for joining us this morning. Um, anything else? Amen. Amen. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Bye.